This episode of the Best Seats Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. To learn how you can support the show, go to thebestseats.com slash Patreon. Once there, you'll learn how you can get early access to shows, ad-free listening, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, and more. Once again, that's thebestseats.com slash Patreon. But enough of that. On to the show. What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to the first ever episode 79 of the Best Seats Podcast, the only podcast bringing you interviews with some of the most talented people in and around the hospitality community from right here in Orange County to the rest of Southern California and beyond with each and every episode. As always, I'm your host, Croft McCarthy, founder and principal of the Best Seats. Thank you, as always, to my friend, Allie Coyle, who provides the music for the show. You can find more of her work at AllieCoyleMusic.com. Check out her album on Spotify. And if you were listening and you live in the Orange County area, check out any of her family's three amazing restaurants, Fable and Spirit over in Newport Beach, Dublin Four Gastro Pub, and Wine Works for Everyone. Both of those are side-by-side over in Mission Viejo. As a reminder, if you enjoy the show, please be sure to leave a rating and or a review wherever you're listening to it. It helps other folks discover it as well. You can go to thebestseats.com for more content just like this. And do not forget, if you subscribe at any of the monthly tiers over at patreon.com forward slash thebestseats, you get early ad-free listening to each and every episode of the show about a week before the public. The only way to listen to the exclusive bonus episode now in about episode seven at the time of this recording for each and every episode where I sit down with each of the guests for an additional 10, 15 minutes, maybe a little bit more having some fun, talking some talk, and getting a little bit more candid. That is all and more only available to those who subscribe at any of the tiers over at Patreon. And I thank you for those that do. Episode 79, I'm very, very, very humbled and excited. Um, As everybody who listens to this show knows, maybe you've only been listening for five episodes. Maybe you're all the way along for all 79 of them, in which case, thank you either way. Um, I am a huge fan of all aspects of the hospitality community, but one of my big passions is spirits, wine, beer. I'm a big, big, big fan of the liquid aspect of what goes into hospitality. As much love as I have for the kitchen, for whatever reason, the thing that really bit me was that passion of the people that create the things that go in the glass to complement that food, or depending on how good they are, even outshine it sometimes. So I'm incredibly humbled to sit down with Bo Bianchi, owner of Bianchi Wine, as well as Christina Martinez, the tasting room manager of the brand new Bianchi Wine Tasting Room in Laguna Beach. I have had spirits professionals on the show. I've had beer professionals, cider professionals on the show, et cetera. But I haven't had a lot of wine people inside of the realm and the mind and the expertise of somebody like Bo and somebody like Christina to be there to compliment him and talk about what they're doing with their new tasting room. Um, I'm very humbled that Bo was able to take the time out of his incredibly busy day running his family's winery to sit down, talk about what the industry has kind of been like for them surviving 2020 between the fires and sourcing issues, not being able to get bottles, what it's like to make your name when you're going against some of these more kind of massive, you know, portfolios held by these, you know, billion, billion, billion dollar companies. How is it? There's so much history in Bianchi that some people may not know about. And how is what Christina is doing at the tasting room and bringing the energy that she does, helping people to discover it, get involved to the wine club and really discover some very, very cool products. Bianchi is a brand that I am even candidly and and humble enough to say 
I wasn't as familiar with some of the things they were doing historically, which were things that no other wineries were doing. They were doing a lot of things first. And it's a really great story. I'm so appreciative again of them for taking the time. I hope that you will really enjoy this one. Uh, the moment I met Christina, I knew that I wanted to get her on the show. Her energy is absolutely infectious. And like many of us, she's somebody that is self-taught through discovering great wines and wanting to learn more. And the appreciation of what she brings to describing every single sip is nothing short of brilliant. So I hope that you will enjoy this great episode with Bo Bianchi, owner of Bianchi Wine, and Christina Martinez, tasting room manager at the Bianchi Tasting Room in Laguna Beach. Enjoy. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, both of you to sit down today. I'm very, very excited to talk with both of you to be here. Finally, a beautiful day in Laguna Beach to record this at the Bianchi Tasting Room down here. Uh, before we jump into the history of the wines, the tasting room, and kind of everything else that I kind of had on my mind to chat about today, would you both mind taking a moment to introduce yourselves and give a little uh, bit of your background? Sure, I'll, I'll jump in. Uh, my name is Bo Bianchi. I'm, I'm part of the Bianchi family and um, grew up in Laguna Beach. And uh, we've been in the business since 1974, started by my grandfather. So I'm currently kind of overseeing the winery production and sales and marketing and, and all of that good stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm Christina Martinez. Uh, I grew up in Orange County. Uh, I've been in the hospitality industry since I was 18 years old. Uh, I was uh, going to, to school to be a juvenile probation officer. Uh, and then I realized that I totally didn't want to do that. <laughs> so so uh, I just moved throughout the hospitality industry and eventually uh, found myself in the wine industry for the last six years. Um, really uh, excited and just continuing to uh, find new areas uh, to learn from. And I got really uh, lucky to have, uh, uh, you know, stumbled on to being able to have the opportunity to help open this tasting room and uh, have a boss that lets me, uh, lets me mess up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I do want to talk about the wines and, and kind of the history of Bianchi a little bit more, but since you mentioned the tasting room and that's where we're recording this, Talk about the tasting room itself, because this is, at least at the time of this recording, still very much kind of in its infancy, only a few months kind of quote unquote open, but beautiful space that I know kind of has some other features as far as offices and things like that. They're all utilized by Bianchi. But how did this space itself kind of come to be? Well, it's we've been having our, our, our offices, our headquarters uh, for all of our different businesses in in Orange County. So previously we were in Newport Beach for 15 years and and we were renting the property and, and we were kind of looking for a, a property to, to purchase and to have our offices here or or so on. So we just uh, stumbled on this property. My friend was uh, Ryan Harmon, local broker in town. He showed me the property. It, it fit our needs to a T. Uh, the city really wanted to have a, a retail function at this property and so we just took the opportunity to, to bring a Bianchi winery and tasting room down uh, to our hometown, which which is wonderful. So it's it's a great way we get to share our wines and our passion with with the local community and people I grew up with. And uh, so it's been a, a lot of fun so far. Christina, when did you come on board with the project and kind of what was the timeline like for you? Because obviously it takes a long time to open anything. And I'm sure with 2020, this took just as long, if not longer than some other kind of build outs in Orange County. Um, when did you come on board with the project and what's it like been for you to kind of 
see this now that the doors have been open to where we are now? I got really lucky. Uh, I, I got in at the end when it was uh, time to start making the fun decisions. Uh, I know that uh, just from being here for the last uh, six months, the community has been, you know, waiting for this uh, for the last three and a half years. I had no idea it existed. I, I didn't know it was coming. It was not anticipated for me. Uh, it was just, as I mentioned before, something I stumbled upon when it was um, just the right timing, um, when it was uh, time to get back into the industry for me. Uh, and uh, it's it's been fun. Uh, it's I Bo, you know, has sent me up a few times, and that I think makes a difference uh, in regards to just really understanding what we wanted to do with the place, uh, and also realizing how different it is to be a tasting room in Orange County versus a tasting room in uh, Paso Robles or any wine country for that matter. Uh, uh, realizing, you know, what information do people want down here versus what information uh, they want in wine country. Uh, and I think that we lead a little more with uh, trying to get people interested in wine to get them to go up and start to understand uh, on their own or, you know, by their own interests uh, about wine. So, uh, you know, for myself and, um, you know, my staff and future staff, we want to be able to turn people on wine in a really casual manner uh, to get them interested and uh, get wine country going. Um, I think that there's, uh, there's a lot of, uh, purchasers down here. It's just that they need to be turned on to the, to the more boutique wineries. Yeah. Bo, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you as somebody who is the the steward for this winery. Um, you're one of the first actual kind of owners of a winery that I've had on. I've had on chefs and executive chefs, different wineries, specifically, uh, Rachel Hagstrom came on the chef up at Justin. And that was really kind of during the shutdown phases also hearing about what, Paso was going through and, and kind of what wine country was going through in general with everything going on from 2020 and everything else. Obviously, we're in 2022 now. We've gone past it a little bit, but there's no doubt that there's been some difficulties. I mean, it's stressful enough to open a restaurant, a tasting room, something like that, but you're also running well, winery. You're running, I mean, ventures all over. I mean, what has the past two years been like from your standpoint? <laughs> that's that's uh it's another show to talk about that. <laughs> that um, it's been quite challenging. You know, we're, we're a small family owned winery. Um, we focused on restaurants, you know, so most of our business was done in the restaurants in, in Southern California. So that got taken away from, from us mm -hmm. for, for quite some time. So we did, we did significantly lose a lot of business. And then on top of that, we had the, uh, the fires. So not in Paso Robles, but nearby enough to where yeah. we lost almost our entire 2020 crop. Uh, we picked a few things early, but uh, we, we lost a majority of our grapes, uh, also the ones we contracted as well. So we, we have about 27 planted acres in, in Paso, and then the rest we uh, contract from the Central Coast. So then you bring on just the crazy cost increases. I mean the supply chain getting really messed up. I mean, we couldn't get bottles. We couldn't get the right bottles. We had trouble getting corks. Uh, labels were, they, the paper wasn't coming in. I mean, it just was just endless. So it was, it was pretty trying and it's been a little bit of a relief getting through that. And uh, this last year, our numbers were, were back up a little bit, not quite past uh, to where 2019 was, but um, we learned a lot through it. I mean, we learned a ton. So we're trying to take all the positive out of it. 
our focus on direct to consumer, our focus in the tasting room, our focus on premium wines, uh, all of that is kind of pushed us ahead. So it, we were we were transitioning to all of that, but this really kind of kicked us in the butt to to push it harder. And and this tasting room has been kind of a fun experience too because we kind of opened it up with no expectations. Uh, we didn't open it up with a tight game plan on how we're going to do it, what we're going to do, and we kind of let. Uh, our customers kind of help us create the atmosphere, create uh, the knowledge and what they want to know and what they want to learn. And, and so it's been a learning process for us here because as Christina mentioned, it, it's hugely different than what we do up. Mm-hmm. The wines are the same, but the experience is significantly different than the Paso Robles experience. So, you know, I'm still feel like a kind of a young, young guy. Christina's Young at heart, no, I'm just <laughs> but uh, we're, so we're trying to have a little fun here without being too serious. Yeah. Um, well, there is. By, great, by the way, Christine is much younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is a great levity, and it's one of the reasons that I wanted to get her on the show, and and was kind of fingers crossed that I'd be able to get you as well, because some wineries can come with almost kind of a stuffiness. There's almost kind of a, a difficulty to enter. There's, you know, whether or not, and this is not speaking to someone's individual wine knowledge, but there can be that hardship of, of almost kind of, you know, cost prohibitive or luxury prohibitive, things like that. There's a funness here. There's an air of that. It seems like you want to have fun in this tasting room. And obviously Christina's energy really, really speaks to that. Um, but it's, we mentioned that this was about a you know three year process, give or take, to get this open, and everything that you mentioned that you kind of learned along the way through twenty twenty, the fires, sourcing issues, things like that. What were some of the things that did change initially from what you thought this place would be to what it is and kind of is becoming every day? Well, initially we were looking to kind of create a um, an appointment only type of atmosphere, and we weren't going to open every day. Um, just by the significant amount of people walking by every day saying, when are you going to open? When are you going to open? Um, it kind of said, okay, let's, let's open, let's open to the public six, seven days a week. Uh, so, you know, that was one, one big thing that kind of, we started off with a very low expectation of what, what this little deal would provide. And, and, we did have an expectation of, of using it to for uh, accounts and sales and marketing and mm-hmm. wine and wine um, private wine tastings and stuff like that. But and I think we might get back to that um, that vision of this being a wine club only lounge. I mean the whole the whole thing around the tasting rooms and the wineries. It's all about creating large wine clubs. Yeah. And we have some great reserve wines that we're, we're doing that and we're getting a lot of interest in it. So we have two lines of wines. We have our, our white label reserve and our signature selection wines and two at different price points, 20 to 40 and then 60 to a hundred. So, mm-hmm. um, we did think with this property would do a lot more of the higher end reserve wines. Um, but we're, we're seeing a good balance of both. So, but ideally, I'm not even sure if I'm answering your question, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we'd love for this to be a wine club only type of lounge. And, and we've gotten a lot of wine clubs. We And with Christina, she's got a great ability to do uh, fun events, out, outside the box type events. Um, and we're hoping to kind of bring more of those on during the summer uh, and see if we can build our own little Laguna Beach wine club. 
yeah. that ties into Paso. So. Christina, from your standpoint, you're in an interesting position with your job because you are equal parts doing basically kind of regular front of the house, making sure, you know, touching tables, dealing with customers, but you're also a steward for the Bianchi family and kind of a historian now for where the wines come from, but you're also an educator because when people come in and, and while part of that is that you do want to get back to some of those wine club events, obviously as somebody who spent a lot of time in Laguna, you know, I mean, there's a massive tourist boom here that's starting to come back harder and harder. So you do get a lot of those fresh faces and opportunities to introduce people into Bianchi from your experience working at, you know, different restaurants and doing their wine programs how are you kind of changing your approach to day-by-day interaction with customers where you are doing more of that kind of stewardship and educating also on these wines and, and kind of these flavors and things like that? Uh, so uh, ju- just even the way uh, that I learned uh, about wine, it, it was something that I stumbled into in the first place. Um, and uh, I was really lucky to be, uh, to find myself in the opportunity. Uh, that being said, uh, as such a, I guess, big personality, I felt really muted out in the middle of tastings. Um, and that was just, you know, kind of from my own ego, just not having that verbiage and, and uh, not having that refined palate uh, and, uh, you know, the words not coming to me quickly. Uh, I was really shy about that. Uh, and I didn't I knew that I didn't want other people to necessarily feel that way about wine because that's what turned me off about wine in the first place. Uh, is that I knew I could get my, you know, tequila, soda, water, splash of grapefruit and it was going to taste the same every place I went to. But if I ordered a, a glass of Sauve Blanc from New Zealand, it was going to kind of alter from time to time and uh, and it was never consistent. Uh, and that to me, um, you know, maybe there was like a lack of value uh, as a younger drinker. Uh, that being said, uh, now for me, I think wine is just more of an experience and it's more about uh, finding a perfect pairing uh, and it's uh, more about uh you know, the thought process of the winemaker or the terroir and kind of like a story and, and um, just coming into Bianchi's lineup, uh, I feel insanely lucky to have a lineup that I really enjoy <laughs> because I never went into sales. I was really nervous to sell things I didn't enjoy and I just couldn't look people in the eye and fib about it. Um, uh, it should be noted you took the job before you tasted the wine. So. I also, <laughs> it should be duly noted that I mentioned that if I didn't like the wine, I would 100% fess up. That's true. Uh, and, and I would have, and I have, um, there's been wines that I didn't lean into, uh, right off the bat. Uh, and then I, uh, I think that's also because I'm a little more serious about wine uh, and my education right now. So I'm looking to understand about, once again, like the 100% of things, uh, what the oak did to it. And I'm learning to, I'm trying to evaluate the wine. And sometimes it's like, everyone's not trying to do that. (laughs) Some people just want to drink it, (laughs) you know, they don't don't want. That's a pretty common deal. You know, when I'm up with the winemaker and we're going through wines and tasting blends, I mean, we're built to look for flaws. It's kind of mm-hmm. we're we're Blessing on the we're, we're on the other end of it. Yeah, but every time I taste a wine, I'm looking for what's wrong with it. Even if I'm out to dinner having someone else's Cabernet, I'm just uh, it's just kind of how we have to think in this industry. So, yeah. um, it's sometimes you're always looking for that, and you you got to stop that and really try to enjoy it and get past it, but. Well, it's time for a little commercial, yeah. 
I don't know about you, but 2020 had me re-looking at how I live and the space that I live in. Spending so much time at home really had me reevaluating how certain things worked and didn't in my living space. One of the main things, as an avid home cook and an obvious supporter of restaurants, was gardening. Anybody who enjoys food at all will be able to tell you that something you've grown yourself will taste infinitely better than anything you can buy at a store. That's where Ashley Irene of Heirloom Potager comes in. Heirloom Potager designs, installs, and maintains seasonal culinary gardens for chefs and foodies in Orange County. They provide organic gardening methods and bespoke build-outs used to preserve the heirloom varietals that they'll provide for seeds. An approachable and exciting endeavor, no matter if you're a seasoned restaurateur or a stay-at-home chef. Owner Ashley Irene's experience, expertise, and enthusiasm is only matched by her professionalism. For more information on how you can set up a consultation to get your own culinary garden space set up, go to heirloompotager.com. That's heirloom, A-G-I-R-L-O-O-M, potager, P-O-T-A-G-E-R.com today. Once again, that's heirloom potager. If you listen to the best seats at all or read the content, then you know the motto, live well and often. But what does it mean? In layman's terms, it's trying to give you the best products, places, experiences, and more, so you can put a big smile on your face every single day. Amass Botanics is what I use on my back bar constantly if I need a cocktail or a quick pick-me-up. Any of their other botanical products, like candles, hand sanitizer, and more, also helps to set the mood. Now, I'm a big fan of everything that Amass does. I have been since day one when they launched their trademark gin, and everything they've done since then has been nothing short of excellent. Now you can get your hands on their products at a discounted rate by going to amass.com and using the discount code THEBESTSEATS15, that's C-E-A-T-S, at checkout. Now it's limited one per customer, so make sure you load up. But trust me, you can't go wrong with anything they're doing. I stand by Amass 100%. They're one of my go-to brands for spirits needs or anything around the house. So again, go to amass.com, that's A-M-A-S-S, and use the code THEBESTSEATS15 at checkout. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. Are there times where you feel like you're learning along with customers that maybe come in and they come in and they're trying this and all this? You're in a very interesting position where it's not a, you know, a master sommelier kind of speaking down, which is kind of, I guess what I was kind of almost referencing earlier too, is kind of that barrier to entry with wine that can be intimidating sometimes. Because unless somebody completely abstains from alcohol, at some point they're going to try wine. And what that reaction and what that interaction is going to be like is obviously up to every single person. But if you don't have somebody there to kind of guide you, you can go down a really bad and poorly flavored path. Sure. So it's it's fun to kind of hear your approach to it as somebody who was, you know, a tequila soda girl. And now you're fully, fully, really committed to kind of understanding these nuances. How do you approach that with customers who come in? I mean, how's your... How's the interaction go with kind of understanding where this person may be at with their own wine education, whether it's kind of self-educated or maybe they've done a WSET class or something like that, or how does the interaction go between each customer when they do come in? Um, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty natural for me. Uh, I, uh, my background uh, was in, in therapy and stuff, so I'm really great at... <laughs> Bartender um, is part person yeah. therapist anyway, so yeah. So I, you know, I can read someone's energy uh, just by, by the way they walk in. Just the simple questions that they ask at the beginning, I can tell 
uh, whether they want to be led or uh, whether they, uh, they want their own journey. Uh, and, you know, I, I just ask a few simple questions just to kind of gauge uh, how much interaction that they're looking for. It's definitely the hospitality side of things. Um, all that, you know, just mentioning that my whole uh, career has always been in the restaurant side of things. Uh, so being in a tasting room, as you mentioned, is totally different than that being, or I say that being said so much. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's annoying. Uh, sorry. Um, with that being said, go ahead. With that being said, uh, I uh, I want to get, so it's really selfish. I want to get people excited on wine because I want the industry to grow down here. Yeah. Um, I want wineries, um, small, more boutique wineries to be able to have an opportunity to come down here and sell. Um, I think that money is down here. I think people want to enjoy great wine, but they also kind of need like a big sister to kind of um, help them break down what they're under, what they're experiencing. And then, they can experience amongst themselves. Uh, what I kind of say to people is like, what do, what kind of memory does it bring to you? Is it a movie? Is it a time and place? You know, what mood would you drink this in? Because I can mention a mood for all of our wines yeah. and, you know, a rhyme and a reason of why I would drink it. Uh, and, and so I like to, you know, lean people into our three poor tasting and say, you know, let's focus on a mood right now and what you need right now. It's really warm outside today. So something refreshing more, or I mentioned, you know, our Sauv Blanc is definitely our summer, um, day drinking wine, but, uh, when it's fall, I would definitely lean into our reserve Chardonnay because it's, uh, has a warmer, uh, undertones. It tastes more like a baked apple pie and it tastes more like a cozy hug, uh, which is what I would be looking for, uh, you know, in winter. Um, yeah, I mean, this, I, our Cab Franc reminds me of like the, um, what is it, the, the girl emoji. <laughs> they, uh, they all have like personalities and songs and, um, you know, I, I have weird little relationships with each individual wine uh, and I don't know where that comes from. I'm and very I, imaginative. Yeah, I, and I and I love that about Christina. And she makes it she makes it fun. Mm -hmm. You know, she can she can go that way, or she can get a little bit, you more know, technical, more technical. So that. wines and, and it's intimidating. I mean, for people that are outside and, and are, don't taste a lot of wines, they they are intimidated to even talk about it. Yeah. So it's a good way to get more people into the fold, and that's kind of what I like about this. You know, you can keep it really simple. You can keep it in simple segments and build on your knowledge, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, first your your taste, you have three parts of your palate, your first impression, mid-palate, and finish, and just get a general understanding of those. And then you can kind of build on that. Okay, why why am I getting this on the front or why is it finishing like this? So then you can get more technical with it. But I mean keeping it simple for everybody is just the way we kind of like to start here. And I love the descriptions that Christina uses. They're, they're fun. And, and, you know, those are her personal memories and, and what she attributes those to. So um, we try to get our, our customers to think along the same lines. Well, I mean, having a tasting room like this allows you to be kind of your own steward and to kind of help cut through that noise because it is a massive industry. And both from a business standpoint, being a smaller winery, you know, kind of a family-run one, how do you go up against the those kind of juggernaut portfolios that that have those kind of you know billion dollars to play with marketing-wise and 
because you're right, wine can be intimidating and there's a cost prohibitive nature to it for some people where if they're going to go in and spend X amount of money on a bottle, maybe they want to go with that name that they feel is safe and they're a little afraid of the new one or maybe they are afraid to try something new. So how do you help kind of cut through that noise to kind of get Bianchi's name out there? And then to kind of piggyback on that, how much does having a, a beautiful tasting room like this help and kind of ease that process here locally? Yeah, it's it's a crazy competitive industry. And anyone that makes millions and millions and billions of dollars, they say, okay, I'm going to open up a winery, you know, and these people aren't used to failing. So mm-hmm. they realize how difficult this business is and how competitive it is. And they, and they pour a lot of money into their production facilities and their sales and their marketing and their, their national team. So it, it is very tough. We're, we're small. Um, but we are built like a large winery. We, we control everything from grape to bottle, our own bottling lines. We decide everything. So it's, it's tough to do it that way and still try to compete with the big guys, no doubt. So we're, you know, we don't, I don't want to be that. And I never wanted to be that. So we want to be, we want to be a small family production winery. Um, our reserve line is pretty new, but we're trying to have a lot of fun with it. We're trying to, uh, bring people up to that level as far as their um, I feel like the Bianchi line like has been that though. I mean, it they've been around forever. I had no clue until, you know, I, I got a chance to go up and, and you, you all have been very innovative just from your first generation. Uh, I mean, the Lombrisco story is amazing. Uh, and I think that that Lombrisco story just really sets up kind of the personality of the Bianchi family. Uh, you guys are innovative and have continued along. I mean, I didn't realize, I didn't realize how um, well integrated into Orange County and LA County we were down here. Uh, I mean, that's that's a big deal. I I would say, and um, I you know I might mention that that's kind of where you where you come in, and then actually Bo uh, helps design our uh, our blends, which is a really big deal because. They are complex, um, they are impressive, uh, but they're also really fun to talk about and not pretentious. And um, my, I mean, my initial thought was like, what are you, you're a winemaker and an owner? What the heck? <laughs> like, you just get to go around making, but that's, all, I mean, that's just, that. it's also, you know, you creating blends for the people. Just like when I was a wine list curator, I was tasting for the people because my knowledge was only so much. And and you're, it's just like kind of second nature for your um, palate, you know? There is a fun amount of innovation. And as you mentioned for people listening that I was here for a tasting about a week before we are recording this. And there are, you broke out some kind of vintage ads that you had brought down from Paso and just things that, again, you see like, you know, natural wine companies doing now and they're being praised as like, oh, how progressive. It's like, but you guys were doing this, you know, 30 years ago. I mean, the Lombrisco story, I mean, doing like different, you know, I think there were different wine coolers and things like that. I mean, canned and and now there's all these kind of conversations about where the industry is going to push forward. Kind of earlier when we were recording, you mentioned the difficulties you're having getting bottles. Um, I just saw a story about a very small winery, the same thing. It was, I think, four grand just to get them shipped from Canada. I mean, just people are experiencing wild costs what are some of the things that you're kind of looking for to the future with Bianchi to try and maybe make some of those changes that, that you guys kind of historically have been known for? That's a good question. Um, 
I should probably go back a little bit and talk about a little bit of those things. I mean, my grandfather was an inventor. Mm -hmm. He was a scientist. He was a chemical engineer. And I always thought of him as kind of, kind of a mad scientist in that industry. Um, he, he invented the wine cooler in the late seventies, early eighties. And then California cooler came around and Bartles and James. Um, we had one of the largest can distributions, uh, in the eighties nationally. Uh, we did all sorts of stuff, virgin wine coolers, uh, we had red light, white light. We had Lambrusco in a can and all sorts of stuff. So um, he was always looking to kind of reinvent the process, improve the process. We used, uh, he used cement mixers as, as crushers back in the day, and I don't even know why. <laughs> and actually, the original reason we got in the industry is because, um, you know, we started a drive-in movie theater in the 40s. And then uh, winery in 1974, and that's because he invented a, a process in the industry that uh, stripped the bitterness from the tannins of the wines into um, uh, from the red wines without jeopardizing the color. And, and tannins come from the skins, and, mm -hmm. and so does the color, so it wasn't really able to do both. Um, but he, he figured it out. He tried to bring it to market, and that didn't, didn't quite work out, so he pivoted and moved on to the wine cooler uh, and really push the narrative on the wine and the cans and stuff like that. So I'll say this. I mean, my personal belief in this, there, there's always going to be the next new package. You know, we do bag, we've done bag in the box. We've done, we've done all sorts of stuff. So glass, it always goes back to glass. There's always fads in the market. Mm -hmm. Wine in the can was huge. And the little pre-packaged wine glasses, you know, started growing at a, at a big level, but it all, it all reverts back to the classic Tradition. cork and bottle. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't really know where it goes from here. And like I said, things come and go, but it's, it, this is, I don't think that's going to change in our lifetime. Yeah. I don't see, we're, I don't think we're going to see something take over the glass and the bottle. That's too the, kind of the programmed cork. at everybody's DNA, that sensation. Of well, that right. Kind of, there's yeah. something about, I mean, there's just something about, opening a bottle of wine that's just part of the experience and you know if you're we do have screw cap wines we keep that in our fresh fresh fruit you know we want stuff we want to drink early but everything you're going to lay down put age on the cork is an important role in how that bottle ages yeah you know if i had a request <laughs> sure what's your request uh, well uh, we didn't uh, kind of talk about uh, how topless creek is uh pivoting from bottles to i mean not Fully, but doing boxed wine, uh, and we kind of talked about potentially doing uh, a boxed wine as well. One, uh, yeah, we're, we're always we're always playing with that. I mean, when you know, I go up to the winery and I get a rosé that I really like. We have eighteen liter bag in the box, which is two cases of wine. I'll I'll fill that thing up and bring it home and stick it in the fridge. You did that? <laughs> yeah, I want. So oh my God. you know, <laughs> just imagine the logistics of trying to squeeze it in the fridge. I'm so, so excited for I'm, this. <laughs> Stuff like that. It's, it's fun. Like a dream but, come true. <laughs> so we'll, we'll probably play with a little bit of that. I mean, we'll, we'd like to we'll do some rosé or Sauv Blanc or something like that in a three-liter bag in a box. Um, and, and do that just fun for a tasting room for, mm -hmm. for our wine club members and yeah. and people popping in that, you know, are tired of opening two bottles of rosé every day. Just put it in a bag, I guess. <laughs> but you won't be seeing that Saves. with our reserve cabs. And no, those are for our light not. fun it's, and it's yeah, yeah, yeah. forward summer, that makes summer drinking. Um, what's the experience like since the doors have kind of opened here as far as the reaction for the community? I mean, it should be noted that Christina, it's, it's you and one other person working here, which it's not a massive space. So no, you have that on your side. It's beautifully designed. 
Um, it's intimate, it's stylish, it speaks to the wines really well, and it really allows you to kind of address the entire room, no matter kind of where you're at, which is nice. But what's the experience like? I mean, we're recording this, you know, basically first of March, end of February. When did the doors open and, and kind of how was that, how was that first week of like, okay, it's real now? Um, August 20th, I believe, was uh, when I first uh, opened the doors. Uh, I had a meeting at 2.30 with Orderport to train me how to, you know, accept credit cards. And that error, I think, and um, attached the credit card machine to the iPad. And then at 4 p.m., I was opening the doors. Um, it was me by my little lonesome, but we didn't really talk. We didn't really do a huge PR push or anything like that. I just kind of mentioned it to uh, neighbors and they just, uh, you know, to be supportive, were rolling in. Um, we kept select hours. Uh, we have select hours in general. Um, so that kind of that kind of helped. Um, I think uh, once we got the flow of things, we definitely realized that we needed a second person. And then, you know, I think that we're kind of at a point where uh, we're looking into the year and we have a lot going on in our event calendar. So uh, it's time to start looking for a third person. Uh, one, to take my time uh, uh, to make sure that, uh, you know, because it's such a small space and I, because I, I'm pretty specific in regards to what I'm looking for and what I would like to be going on in the tasting room, which is education. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think this is something that I might have mentioned to Bo at the beginning is like, I always want to make sure that education is going on for my staff members and that we're helping them move along in their part of the industry because, um, you know, it's hospitality industry wasn't really taken serious for such a long time. Uh, and then coming to realize that people just love what they do. Uh, and it happens to be kind of, uh, you know, casual environment and that's okay. That being said, in you know, the hours are shorter, but you're also exuding so much more energy when it comes to talking to that many people in a day, you know, an eight hour sit at your desk kind of thing is totally different than a five, six hour, you know, just rush uh, yeah. uh, at any yep. given you know great restaurant, whether you're a bartender, which is usually where I was, uh, and that's creating um, cocktails on a on a on a consistently level uh, on an individual level because I also would make my you know lemon drops per person. It wasn't like all right, I'm making three at once. It was like all right, how do you like your lemon drop? How do you like your lemon drop? And I would take that time, and you know, fortunately, unfortunately, people appreciated it. Um, I don't know where I was going with it. <laughs> well, we should mention it, 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 is, completely lost. Completely lost. <laughs> it is a tasting room. It is not a bar. Definitely. It is not yes. a restaurant. I mean, uh, it is going to be a little bit of a different experience compared to, you know, uh, I guess kind of those more traditional facets. I mean, for instance, you guys aren't running a food program for the moment, but people can do like, uh, I believe you're doing like meat and cheese boards that you've uh, got no, with meat, just cheese boards. Just cheese boards. Okay. And that's with the. Uh, we work with the butchery, yep. uh, the cheesemonger over at the butchery, Terry. Uh, she totally hooks it up. And uh, Bo's actually uh, great friends with the owners, I believe. Uh, we're friends. Best friends. <laughs> we're besties. We're besties. Well, good. I mean, so somebody coming in, obviously, is it, are you just working with, are they kind of full glass pours? Are they small tasting styles? I mean, if you were. If, if I walked in right now, sat down, hey, welcome so much to Bianchi. We're glad to have you. Let me walk you through how it works. 
how does it work for anybody who wants to come down here and enjoy it? Uh, so you're, you're coming in, uh, taking a look around. Usually we, you know, we greet you, uh, grab some menus, uh, let you pick your spot, which is, uh, you know, 14 possibilities. Uh, super tiny, uh, but ultimately people are always making sure that they have the perfect view, which is literally every seat. In the I know it should be noted that this is an audio podcast, but the view does not suck. So just trust on that one. I would definitely like to say that this is probably the most gorgeous tasting room, um, at least in Orange County anyways. Not, not to brag or anything, but you know, <laughs> ocean view. Uh, anyways, uh, so you know, you're walking in, uh, you're mesmerized by by the beauty of it. Uh, you take a seat uh, and then I, I usually tend to ask kind of like where you're from. Are you, are you kind of like a tourist? Are you local? If you're local, I lean you towards our uh, three-pour tasting. Uh, just to kind of lean into what you would like to enjoy a full glass of uh, for the mood right now. Uh, or uh, if people have dinner reservations, uh, I like to ask where they're going. Uh, if they have any cravings for the night, maybe we can focus on finding a bottle for them to enjoy at dinner. Uh, if it's not overly busy, I'm totally down to look at the menu and try to see if we can kind of create some perfect pairings for them. Uh, so, you know, they get to have a little bit uh higher level of experience uh, amongst themselves. Yeah. You know? Well, it helps to be able to kind of have that gateway effect where if somebody's going to come in here, they're going to try your wines. Then you guys obviously know who in Laguna carries your wines. This is a pretty tight knit community. So it's got to be able to be nice to be like, hey, you like this, you like our solve. Well, you're going to go to this restaurant. They have this dish. It pairs really well with it. And they have that bottle there. Mm -hmm. That's got to be kind of a fun effect. It is. And it actually, I was going to mention that. I mean, we're looking to do a lot of things outside of this 400 square foot tasting room. So Mm -hmm. to further the education of, you know, whoever's interested in Laguna beach to do so also with the restaurants and, and uh, server community. And, and one of, you know, my ideas that we're definitely going to do is a little wine club pub crawl, but with wine and, and paired, you know, we'll start here, walk downtown, go to another place that has a appetizer and we'll pair it with one of our wines and we do three or four of those and start here, Love talk that. about the education yeah. process, talk about what they're going to have at at those different restaurants and why they pair well, why we did the pairing. And then we just go on that on that uh, little walk and experience that. So and then we'll do some more stuff in the in the tasting. And we have a beautiful event space in the back that we use um, occasionally, but we would like to do more uh, more sit down tastings, uh, more education wine club dinners, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So um, another reason to get Christina from behind the bar and, and start organizing some of these events. That sounds awesome. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, it's gonna be great. You mentioned the wine club earlier on. Um, obviously kind of every wine club is a little bit different, but obviously that is the key when you get people in the doors to get them signed up and, and part of that and really kind of give them the full experience of what you can do as you know a wine company. What is the wine club like? I mean, what are some of the kind of details of it? Is it gonna be a fun pop quiz, top of the head? For either either of you who want to jump in, no, uh, not it. <laughs> uh, the wine club. I mean, it's it's pretty simple. I mean, there's uh, most people are going to know what a wine yeah. club is. There's there's no charge for it. You're just committing to buying for us, uh, buying uh, a case a year. So we do two shipments: a fall and a spring. Uh, you get uh, six bottles uh, in each shipment, so you're committing to that. But with that comes. A lot of perks and benefits. I mean, one one of the biggest ones is, you know, if you're a wine club member, you can stop by, you get thirty percent off on all bottle purchases. So 
that alone is is yeah that's huge it's yeah that's quite a bit and on a hundred dollar bottle you know i thought that was pretty wild <laughs> i know yeah so we're generous we don't like to make money in this business <laughs> <laughs> they say only two percent of the people that open a winery expect to make a profit that's an interesting stat but but um that's what i like to hear yeah <laughs> <laughs> so budget out the window yeah, hey that's right so on top of that, we have, um, you get free tastings. You get a certain amount of free tastings in Laguna Beach. And then you get, uh, you get unlimited free tastings in Paso Robles at the Paso Robles location. We have a three-bedroom uh, rental there that you get discounts on. Uh, you get first right uh, discounted tickets for events. We have, um, we have two big events coming up in May that are pretty much sold out uh, that are over uh, the wine festival weekend. And we're trying to expand on that. So... Uh, you get those types of perks and what else do you get? You get a little discount on a hotel up there if you need it. That's a heck of a deal. Yeah, that's, that's not terrible uh, at all. Yeah. Uh, Andy's done a great job uh, at creating uh, lots of, honestly, like the future. Uh, I, I came in before uh, Andy up in Paso and uh, now he's just really creating a really fun program uh, to get Bianchi on the map. It wasn't talked about too, too much as far as my understanding in Paso, uh, but we'd been there so long uh, and people would remember it because we had like, was it yachts or <laughs> boat? We have a big koi pond up there and we had uh, model sailboats that you could sail on that. But to your point, I mean, I, I think the team that I currently have in place, it's it's finally kind of where I've always wanted it to be. I mean, the employee pool in in Paso Robles it's a small it's a small town so you typically get a lot of tasting room managers assistant managers mm-hmm. just going from one place to the next so yeah. during covid when i when i uh, my tasting room was manager was moving on to another tasting room uh, i put an ad out and i i got literally no resumes when i posted that job 4 years ago i probably got over 100 easy in a week wow so I didn't hire someone for three months because I just couldn't find the right, right person. Yeah. And Andy, I know we're going a little bit off topic, but Andy uh, answered, answered the ad. What was the topic? Uh, I don't even know. <laughs> well, no, it's good, to give the, it's good to give the Paso location some love too, because obviously yeah, if anybody right. does sign up for the wine club, there's so many perks that benefit them up there. Yeah. Yeah. Better so, to have the full story. So Andy was a, not in the wine side of the business. He was in the restaurant side and he was up late in bars and trying to figure out how to get people in the door. Um, I asked him to go visit the tasting room and, and critique it. And he gave me a long list of stuff that was right. Same kind of thought process as myself. And, and he's been up there grinding and up there uh, really planning a lot of great fun events to get people in the door. And he is from Paso, just not from the wine side of Paso. So he's he's got a good great hospitality, good hospitality, good. a good book of people to work with, and uh, and so far so good. And we're we're doing a lot of bed and breakfast. We're building a bed and breakfast up there. We're in the county right now. We're redoing our special event spaces, um, you know, which will be the hub for a lot of these parties we're throwing and wine experiences we're throwing. So I shouldn't say parties. <laughs> parties. I'll take it. Parties. That's excellent. And I mean, it does tie back in with the wine club because for me, this is only a small part of our wine club. Yeah, Paso is is so cool. Uh, I didn't get a chance to experience Paso until uh, I got to experience uh, with the Bianchi's, and I, you know, I love it up there. Uh, I used to do Napa a lot. 
uh, which was awesome. But I, I was really lucky to have a friend that lived downtown and was a local. So of course I got all the really cool. Yeah. That's a different experience. Yep. Nobody really gets a chance and it's so expensive. Tastings are just insane. Uh, you know, Paso, uh, the, the city, the area is, it's beautiful. Um, the or the, you know, it's a country kind of town, really small, um, small area. And then the downtown's really fun. Their food uh, is totally uh, changing and um, there's, there's just a lot going on uh, over there. It's a, it's a great place uh, for the Bianchis. And, and that's another perk we forgot. We have pickup <laughs> parties up in El Paso. We have, the, you know, the fall and spring pickup parties where we'll have entertainment and food and, and all the wine club members get a chance to come pick up the wines, try, try some new wines, you know, other discounted purchases. And we, we're going to bring the same kind of philosophy down here and yeah, those pickup parties. That's excellent. Yeah, so I fun. love that. Yeah. Exciting. Uh, well, obviously you guys have a lot to do. Um, I'm going to bring you both back briefly for a Patreon only post show. But um, if anybody who's listening on free feeds wants to come out down here to the tasting room or learn about more about Bianchi in general websites, things like that, where can people do that at? Uh, www. Bianchiwine.com. Just just three W's. Just three W's uh, and not a cap at the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What are the current hours, at least at the time of this recording, that the tasting room is open? Our winter hours are Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, four to eight, and then Friday, uh, four to nine. Uh, Saturdays are one to nine, and then Sundays are one to six. Uh, Daylight savings time will start to, uh, to open up more hours. Nobody wants to drink before one around here. Uh, we would love to be open at 11. Uh, if possible, shame. people send us emails <laughs> and we will try to open earlier. That's, uh, that's, it's, a, that's another big difference. Paso Robos, we open at 10 and we got people waiting at the door. So. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. I totally thought people would be waiting at the door. <laughs> I would be. <laughs> well, thank you both so, so much for the time. Again, we'll be back for a quick post show, but I really, really appreciate it. Hoping nothing but the best for this place. It's a beautiful spot. I love the story of the winery and, um, yeah, fingers crossed for a bright, bright future. Thank All right. You. We appreciate it. Thank you. I miss it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so, so much to Christina and Bo, both for taking the time. Uh, it really, really means the world to get them both to hear Bo's expertise and, and some of that family history and just what it is to run something like a winery and for all the romance that we all want to put behind it, the, the sheer business will to keep evolving and keep driving and keep going. Thank you so much to Christina. Her energy is so infectious. I, I'm a, I adore the way that she describes the wines and her energy for it is so palpable. You go to the Bianchi Tasting Room. If you are here in Orange County, you will have a good time. You will learn something. You will inevitably sign up for that wine club. I guarantee it. Thank you so much to both of them. Thank you to everybody that is listening on free feeds. Most of all, thank you to those of you that support on Patreon. Do not forget, you can only listen to the exclusive post show right over there. And there is a lot more content to come. March is going to be huge. February was our biggest month yet for patreon.com forward slash the best seats. So thank you to everybody that has signed up, whether you are at the $2 tier or all the way for the advertisers that have stuck with me as this show has grown and evolved. It is only going to get bigger from here. Thank you to everybody. I'll see you soon. Take care. The Best Seats Podcast is an original production of The Best Seats. It is written, edited, produced, and owned by myself, Crawford McCarthy, founder and principal of The Best Seats. It's based in Orange County, California. It is subsidized through generous monthly donations at patreon.com forward slash the best seats. The following are the names of those who subscribed at the highest monthly tier, aka norm status, and allow me to continue producing this show each and every month. 
as a thank you for their continued support. Here are the names. Shell McCarthy, Serena Warino, George Pavlov, Eric Lutz, Paige Reardon, Loco Lipo, Tim Falk, Burrito No Rito, Sarah Hines, Subtle Bubbles, Jay Baker, Tim Swine, John Sanchez. Thank you for your support.